This Staza Pod, here we go. It's October, and we're going to be talking about a lot of spoilers in this Distaza Pod. That includes things like the action figure of the month for this uh, very fine month we find ourselves in. This includes the Halloween 2-pack, which has only been seen in silhouette so far. And it includes a lot of backstory and, uh, you know, spoilers for things people may not want spoiled. So with that disclaimer out of the way, let's hop in. Uh, I want to start by saying that October is my favorite month. Um, It's absolutely beautiful around here, around these parts uh, during this month. It's still a little warm. There's still a little bit of sunshine uh, even late in the day. And the trees are starting to turn. I uh, took a little road trip up to the Dowdy Farm this past weekend. And the colors are even more vibrant there, and it's only getting started. So it's just a wonderful time. Uh, I've always loved Halloween, even though I wasn't allowed to participate in Halloween celebrations as a kid. Um, But I love the ideas of, you know, costumes and dressing up and uh, eating candy and things like that. And I really wanted the Halloween 2-pack to... To accomplish a couple things. One, I wanted to really swing for the fences when it came to the Shikan figure. You know, Shikan, since it's someone else's character, um, there's not such a wide, you know, variety of interpretation for the character. You gotta do stuff that's more or less true to how he's been depicted before. And I'm lucky enough that in Robert, we have a licensor who really is fine with us being experimental and he really empowered us to kind of do whatever we wanted to do and I presented early on the idea of a sort of blacklight version of Shikan like what would he look like if he went to a discotheque or a roller rink um you know would he sort of glow with a luminescent but I didn't want to use you know glow material or, or plastics like that I wanted to just have this funky colorway that looked like really saturated CMYK sort of style. And Robert really liked that idea. I- I'm pretty sure it's the only time Shikan has been interpreted in such bright, neon, bizarre colors. Um, also, uh, you know, a motif that I think is pretty signature to the figures I do. I-, I like to have at least one that's bright and neon. And, you know, that goes back to my love of all the toys in the 80s and 90s. So it shouldn't be a surprise there. Um... That Shikan, for those who are wondering, is called Blacklight Shikan. Uh, that was sort of his code with the factory. And um, I think most people just kind of refer to him as Halloween Shikan, and that's okay. Uh, but his, you know, his moniker is uh, Blacklight Shikan, for those keeping score. Um, the other part of the Halloween 2-pack, which I think was probably more of a question mark as to what it was, uh, is the Hypernite. And this Hypernite is called Kaldor. K-A- K-A-L-D-O-R. Um, this color scheme comes from a bunch of different stuff, but it does fit in with Autumn really well. You have pretty much the colors of the leaves all baked into this character. You have the orange, you have the yellow, you have the brown, I've wanted for a very long time to do a brown character, 
Um, I know it does look like it may be black, but if you hold it up to the light, you will see that there is actually brown pigment in this very dark plastic. Um, <clears throat> this color scheme comes from a lot of different things, but I think the most important one is this sort of Bronco die-cast uh, 18-wheeler truck I had as a kid, and I've recently rebought. I think I've posted pictures of it on Patreon at some point. But um, this color scheme was really, really popular in the late 70s and the early 80s, and um, it was even like used in home decor. Uh, it was also famously the colors from a long-gone retail chain store called Caldor, spelled with a C in that case. Um, Caldor were, were famous to me because you could buy salted pretzels there, hot salted pretzels right at the front of the store. My dad loved those because they reminded him of, you know, being a young guy in New York City. And uh, we would always go to Caldor. I knew there was a toy section, so I was pumped up. And we'd always stop at the front of the store and we'd get um, a uh, hot pretzel. And I remember famously, I found a $20 bill in the parking lot. I couldn't have been more than four or five years old. And um, we probably should turn that money in to the lost and found. But instead, my dad let me pick out one gift for all of all five of us kids and uh, I was somehow coerced into getting a set of walkie-talkies that I didn't really want but we all sort of had fun with but I digress so this bon this uh, Bronco truck it has this orange this yellow this brown I I'll I'm gonna have to find a photo and post up on it um, and I've just been aching to use this color scheme in a way that made sense, and uh, we're finally here. Um, fun fact, I actually tried to chrome in orange the chest plate to this Hyper Knight, and after several experiments, it just wasn't working. Um, we can't, you can't chrome with that pigment, so our options were sort of spray coating with a transparent paint afterwards, which got very expensive, and it also didn't adhere very well to the electroplating. Um, so, you know, just an interesting side note of, I really, really, really tried to push the envelope of this figure and make it something extra special. But I think even with what we're left with, it is my favorite Hyper Knight. It is one of my favorite all-time color schemes. I would like to apply the Caldor color scheme to other figures in the future. Let me know if you think that's a good idea, if you'd like to see more of them. Um, so that's the sort of Halloween two-pack. I hope you guys are happy with it. I know it's always a leap of faith to buy something sight unseen, not unlike Action Figure of the Month. But I would like to think that, you know, nine times out of ten, I kind of hit the target for you guys. That's, that's my goal. Um, also, did you get a bonus? As a patron member, I put into these packages, or instructed to be put into these packages, a factory relic a little sample I picked up on my trip from the the uh, rejected pile. I dug through these uh, bins and I found a stuff, you know, I pulled out enough for everybody that um, I thought it would be a nice little interesting piece of history that you could have. Uh, a lot of them are very floppy plastic, which is instantly it's going to get tossed in the reject pile. Some of them have little dents or scrapes, things like that, but... Um, you know, I wanted to bring back something from the trip for you guys to remember this uh, momentous occasion by. And uh, I hope you dig it, because I like having little stuff like that too. By the way, if you like factory samples, if you like test shots, 
you like prototypes, things like that. I have announced that there's going to be one random winner to win a little bundle of test shots and paint shots and things like that from a couple different uh, figures we've done. They are going to be picked at random from all the enrollees and action figure of the month, which currently closes in six days and is at 96%. So it's a very exciting time. We have almost done it. And I commend all of you for your effort and support here. It's been pretty great. Um, now we're going to dig into action figure of the month for October. But before we can do that, I have to set up a little piece of ancient history in the world of Nice Slice, and specifically Rex Gannon, that I'm going to guess 99% of you do not know. I think maybe one of the only people that may... There's probably two people <laughs> that listen to this that know the story of Rex on Mars, and it, I'm guessing that's Matt Connolly and, and Mark Mosman, maybe Josh Guerra. Um, but there's a little chapter in... Rex Gannon's life called Rex on Mars. And this followed up the subculture's first show that I did. The The theme for the second, sorry, the third subculture show I did was Rex on Mars. And I did all these paintings and all these custom figures of Rex in a sort of modified spacesuit. And I just kind of told the story of how Rex, you know, his mission after his first mission, his first big mission was kind of to go to Mars. And he ends up getting seduced by a Martian woman who coaxes him into taking off his helmet so that they can make out. And then, of course, he gets exposure to the Martian elements and uh, is left near dead. Um, I don't even want to dig into my psyche for what may have been going on in my mind (laughs) at the time I was writing this. But uh, I'm going to post up on the Patreon some of these um, Rex on Mars paintings, which I think... um, they're interesting. I don't think they're particularly good, but I do think it's an interesting sort of side chapter in the life of Rex Gannon. And um, what we haven't sort of directly approached at all in Knights of the Slice is we have a pretty good idea of what's going on on planet Earth. You know, we know that um, it's in the near future. We know there was a phenomenon called the Food Wars that created quite a bit of turmoil and seemed to have affected every country. We know there's a gigantic algae bloom in the ocean that has uh, had dire consequences. Um, We know that there's food scarcity. We know that mega corporations and conglomerates sort of control everything and have their own standing armies. Uh, But what I've never sort of shined a light on before is that there is actually colonization and bases in the planets in our solar systems and possibly beyond that. How I sort of reconcile this is that for the majority of time that humans have been around, there's also been bipedal, humanoid life forms on the other planets. They have just all lived in the core of the planet, as opposed to Terrans or, you know, Earth people who live, who are fortunate enough to sort of live on the, you know, outside of the planet because of the the climate, which in the world of Knights of the Slice is becoming less and less of a tenable thing. Um, so the planets are somewhat populated, much much more sparsely populated than a place like Earth, but there are cities and there are sort of Earth-bound research bases and there are Earthlings that live there. And um, I thought that the Dune Surfer was really 
excellent, excellent way for us to establish that there is, you know, intersolar system travel and there are means for sort of doing this. I recently saw, when I was in Japan, the film Ad Astra with Brad Pitt, which is kind of a good movie, kind of a not good movie. I still don't quite know how I feel about it. I guess I would rate it like a a B minus, maybe, maybe C plus. But I think it's worth watching because it is an interesting setting. It is sort of like slightly near future. And so I would I would lay out the space element of Knights of the Slice to be uh, if Ad Astra is, let's say, 30 years in our future, that would make the space travel of Knights of the Slice about, I don't know, 40 or 50 years, slightly more advanced than Ad Astra, um, if that makes sense, with the introduction of sort of bipedal other alien races, which... Now that I think about it, we did establish with Bumblejet. He is an alien. Um, I will also default to the very easy gimmick of why are these all bipedal, semi-humanoid-looking aliens? I will simply, you know, fall on that old sci-fi trope of all of the planets were seeded with similar DNA from cosmic sources that make the advanced humanoid creatures of this sort of perfected, you know, two legs, two arms, somewhat symmetrical, uh, you know, bio makeup. So I, I think that is probably as much like heavy lifting I want to do on the, the explanations for it. Um, so I, I knew I always wanted to sort of one, I wanted to get back to the Rex on Mars storyline. Two, I wanted to establish the planets and their inhabitants outside of, um, outside of, you know, Nice to Slice and Earth. And I knew I wanted to do a fan-requested month of action figure uh, for 2019. And so it happened to be that I felt like the strongest reaction I got from you guys, and I'm speaking specifically about patrons, because I don't know that this was shared. Um, I guess it was leaked on 4chan, but I don't know that we shared it, or I sort of shared it officially on Facebook, but the Air Raiders homage. And uh, there were actually, as Gabe pointed out, there were Air Raiders paint samples that I did myself that made it into the hollow bags we released at Toy Pizza Con. And I believe Gabe owns the one that is um, reflective of this uh, this character here, the hero characters. Um, Air Raiders was a, a line that I really loved a lot. And it was sort of cheap and affordable. And you got five or six of these little unpainted characters. And um, the vehicles were kind of cool, but sort of didn't work. The color schemes were really great. It's a line that the, the sort of concept art and the box art for was way stronger than the actual toys. Um, it's also worth noting, I played around with a lot of different versions of this character, including ones with heavy paint apps and a lot of different tertiary colors and heavy decos and tampos and everything else. And at the end of the day, it just didn't look right. Because if you look at the figure it's based on, that is completely unpainted. There's a sort of hard ABS plastic chest that's orange, and then this sort of sand color for the limbs. And 
I played around with having very extensive deco on these and they just, they missed the mark. It didn't have that same feeling. And interestingly enough, the colors on the figure you're holding is not actually the correct Pantones for those figures. Um, I sort of took an amalgamation of the concept art and the box art and um, sort of found the right tones. Now, they're, they're pretty damn close, but they are not the ones that uh, this original toy was. So it was really, it was a very interesting sort of concoction to, to get something that felt in the spirit of the toy and that actually, you know, to end up with something that looked better with less deco um, was very fortuitous. And I'm conscientious of, you know, people's perception of price and what they're getting for their bang for the buck. So that's why I thought it was important to include the red cap Halloween costume uh, bits that are in there. Um, if for some reason you're missing them, let me know. And uh, just a slight note, if you did do a double year, there is only one Halloween costume bit pack in there for you. Uh, we didn't have enough to sort of double up on the double months. Um, but as always, if you guys are missing anything or have any questions, just email me directly. Um, now, I, I know that uh, already the chatter is starting about this figure, and I think that some of our younger audience may not know Air Raiders and may not um, get the homage, but uh, I thank everybody for helping to educate on all the facts and the interesting tidbits that are behind this figure for this month as it sort of uh, comes up and becomes available. Uh, I'm also posting on the Patreon a small little one-page comic that I wrote. This is very much in the vein of the Rex on Mar Mars stories in that it's just kind of a little snippet, just kind of a nice little tome, more about feeling than a sort of cohesive narrative or things like that. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I had fun sort of doodling it out and adding the colors and things like that. Um... So I want to know from you, are you happy with the Halloween 2-pack? Are you happy with the Action Figure of the Month for October? And uh, what are you going as for Halloween? Do you have any plans? Let me know. Um, I also hope you like a look back at the Rex on Mars artwork, which, like I said, is interesting, if not technically sort of amateurish. Um, that's all I got for now. I'm going to go sing some Radiohead, and uh, keep backing Action Figure of the Month. We're so close to being 100%, and it's going to feel a lot of fun when we do it. So thank you guys so much, and uh, pizza out.